This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 17th, 2019. Moral of the story, better late than never. Good morning. Welcome to Connection Church. So that was a movie, a clip from the movie Cinderella Man, one of my favorites, by the way, showing some day laborers at the docks during the Depression, buying for the opportunity to get a day's work, hoping for a chance to earn a day's pay, scrambling for a spot so that they might feed their family for one more day. So this morning we're looking at a story in the scripture that Jesus shared that deal, dealt with some day laborers back in his day, working not on the docks, but working in the vineyards. Well, good morning, Connection Church. It is great to see you today. Um, as And good morning, Facebook Live. We are thrilled that you are joining us as well. We have been away as well as some others from our church. Those of you who were with us last week, would you stand, please? Yes. It is so good to have you back and for us to come back. And we want to let you know that next week, we will plan to share about our experience uh, during worship. Not a travel log, but what God is doing. Facebook Live, we are sorry that we're going to have to go dark next week, and we pray that you'll find a really great podcast. Maybe we'll post something so that you can um, worship next week, and we're sorry that we can't broadcast the service next week. All righty. Did I say who I was? I'm Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for gathering us here for this time. It's a really difficult scripture this morning, Lord. Help us unpack it so that we leave with an understanding of your word, maybe in a new or a more reflective way. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So let's jump right in, Matthew 20, 1 through 7. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw some others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing around here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And so our scripture today is found in the beginning of the 20th chapter of Matthew. Once again, we have a teaching of Jesus. It's called a parable. A parable is a simple story that shares a greater truth. And so <laughs> he wants people to catch a glimpse of what God's world, God's kingdom looks like. This isn't the first time we've read a parable of Jesus, nor will it be the last. This is one of the major ways that he teaches. He uses the familiar to help us understand the unfamiliar the simple to reveal the complex. And so, kids, we are so glad you're here with us today. If on your whiteboards, would you please draw a picture 
of Jesus telling a story to other people. And parents, remember to take a picture and send it to us at the end of today. And so we're not told here exactly who Jesus is sharing this parable with, who his audience is. The, the disciples are there, we know, and perhaps some religious leaders, perhaps the Pharisees, those keepers of the religious law. Now, this story we share this morning, this parable, immediately follows on the heels of a young man asking Jesus what he must do, the young man, in order to receive eternal life. And Jesus tells him to follow the commandments, and, and the young man's very happy at that because he's been doing that. And then Jesus tells him to sell all his possessions and give the proceeds to the poor. And we're told that this young man um, <laughs> went away sad at this response because he had great wealth. And Jesus shares then with the disciples that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so kids, draw a camel, your choice, one hump or two. So the people respond uh, to Jesus and they point out the impossibility of the action, the camel going through the eye of a needle. And Jesus said, yes, it is impossible for human beings, but nothing is impossible for God. So we have this thing that we stand by here at Connection Church. Many of you know it. With God, all things are possible. That certainly has been something that I've had to keep reminding myself uh, because it's been a pretty low week, I must say, emotionally. But with God, all things are possible. So Peter, we talk about Peter. He's a disciple and he's very impulsive and headstrong. He shares that they, the disciples have left everything to follow Jesus. And he, he wonders uh, what will be in it for them. So Jesus responds that everyone who has left stuff behind will receive 100 times as much. And they'll inher inherit eternal life. And then he points out a very difficult thing for us to hear. Like we hear it, but I'm not sure that we embrace it. He says the first will be last, and the last will be first. Ouch. This is a thread that Jesus weaves throughout his entire ministry and his teaching um, all the time. And this parable that follows, which we're going to talk about, um, is also this saying, the first will be last and the last shall be first, is part of his teaching. Mm. And likewise, in a lot of the parables, Jesus uses them to say what the kingdom of heaven is like. He uses an uh, a simile, if you remember your high school English, the kingdom of heaven is like, and that's what he does here. And he, he then compares it uh, to uh, day workers hired to work in a vineyard. According to William Barclay, uh, Bible scholar William Barclay, the scenario that Jesus shares here is one that would be very real, very understandable, very relatable to the people he's talking to in that day and time. Those listeners would be, have seen this the, in, Pal in the Palestine region where they are. The grapes ripen at the end of September and then the rains follow quickly thereafter. If the harvesting is too slow or the rains come too quick before the harvest is finished, the grapes out in the field there, they will be ruined. And so it's a race against time. And, and so any worker is welcome to, to harvest those grapes, even if it's only for an hour. Kids, here's a big one for you. 
draw a bunch of grapes. So according to Barclay, the scholar, he says that one denarius is really equal to a day's wage. And back then, I'm sure it was minimum wage. So it was really, really important. Um, this wage could sustain the family for a day. So for the workers that were hired, it was absolutely crucial. It was a life and death thing to get paid the days that they didn't get hired. It's really possible that their family didn't eat. Really, just like for us, when it goes on and on and on, you start worrying. It's like, oh my goodness, how are we going to make ends meet? So many back in that day, if they didn't get paid, their kids were starving, not to mention themselves and their wives. So life for this particular, these day laborers, life was always on the edge. It's hard to live that way, isn't it? When life is always on the edge, just day to day from disaster. And so let's continue Matthew 20, verses 8 through 16. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and, and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and then going on to the first. And so the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. And so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he, the landowner, answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And so, say it with me, the last will be first, first and the first, first will, will be last. And so when it comes time to pay the workers, the owner first pays the ones who were called last, and he pays them a whole day's wage just for an hour's work. Same for the others. They all get the same whether they've worked one hour, three, six, nine, or 12 full hours. All right, kids, draw a clock. <laughs> be interesting if it's digital or <laughs> with hands. So... So those who worked the full 12-hour day, 6A to 6P, well, they were expecting to be paid more after they heard the one-hour workers got a full day's pay, a denarius. Surely they'd get paid more, they thought, as they worked so much more. Fair is fair, right? Do I get an amen? amen. All right. So generally speaking, when we hear this story, we kind of agree with the grumbling, don't we? I mean, why do the one-hour workers get the same pay that the people who work for 12 hours get? I mean, really, the more you work, the more you should get paid. It's only fair, right? Right. So let's get real here. Let's not be all biblical for a minute. Let's not be all churchified. Let's keep it real. Don't you just hate it when things aren't fair? 
I mean, really. When somebody gets something for nothing or when somebody gets more than they truly deserve, and we hate it usually because it's usually somebody other than us. That's what we hate. Doesn't it just rub you the wrong way when you work harder than that other person and they get the same as you or maybe even a little bit more? That's what I really like when I was selling insurance. You got paid commission. The more you work, generally speaking, the more you got. The better you did the job, generally, the more you got paid. Of course, some people didn't like that. They were usually the ones that didn't want to work hard. You know, you got what you, were, what you worked for. And personally, at the time, I really appreciated that. You were good at it. Yeah. Well, of course, the owner did give the 12, uh, the people who worked 12 hours, exactly what he told them they would get. He paid them what he promised, no more, no less, and that's fair. But technically speaking, really, really is it fair? I mean, right is right and fair is fair. If you work more than the next person, you should get more. You should get what you deserve. There is another way to look at this story, though. And the, the, the way to look at it is who had the better day overall? The worker who at 6 in the morning knew that his family was going to be taken care of that day, who had peace of mind the whole time he was working from 6 in the morning on, or the guy who up to 5 in the afternoon was wondering how his family was going to eat that day. 11 hours of uncertainty in terms of caring for his family. You know, even though it seems that Mr. Latehire got the better deal, got something for nothing, got the full day's wage for the one hour's work, who really had the better deal that day? Which position would you rather be in? All day peace of mind that your family is going to survive another day? Or 11 hours of uncertainty as you wonder <laughs> where you're going to get the food to feed your family the food they so desperately need. I don't know. Maybe, in fact, you've been there before. I know we have. Where there's uncertainty, wondering how we were going to make things work. Jesus opens this story, this parable, by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Can you just see him? So the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he proceeds to tell the comparative story. <coughs> In other words, this story that Jesus shares is the way God does business. Does it mean that things in God's world and God's kingdom are always fair? And what's that all about anyway? I mean, does, uh, here's the real rub. Does it mean that somebody who gets saved later in life really does get to go to heaven? I mean, really, a deathbed confession? Does that really really work? I mean, the last-minute conversion? Does that mean they get the same deal as me? I've been working hard for Jesus. I've been trying to do good. <laughs> and I get the same thing as that person over here who has just done whatever he or she wanted and stepped on everybody and been mean and evil and actually done some really bad things. I mean, really, what's fair about that? Shouldn't I get more? or preference. Kids, write the word fair. <laughs> but 
and put a question mark after it. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is when I, I I've read this story many times. I, I personally, I love, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, funny how we always tend to put ourselves in the category of those who did the full day's 12 hours worth of work. <laughs> those who started at 6 in the morning and put in the full 12, those who worked hard for what they got. Generally speaking, when we hear the story, don't we think of ourselves as those who, not just the one-hour workers, you got the full days paid for the one hour, those that got the blessing. We don't put ourselves in that category, do we? We're the hard workers. We're the ones who gave it all. Interesting that we tend to put ourselves in the overworked, underpaid category rather than the category of those blessed by an owner who was extravagantly and outrageously generous. And the truth is, every one of us is in this latter category. Every one of us is in the category of being blessed by an owner who was outrageously extravagant. You know, no matter how long someone has been a Christian, no matter how good someone has been or tried to be, no matter how close to God someone is, that person, along with everyone else, has been the recipient of God's ridiculous generosity. You know, the owner in Jesus' story, let's say he wasn't fair, was he? He wasn't fair. But neither is the creator. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Because if God were fair, that means each of us would get what we deserve. That's what fair means, right? It means we'd get what we deserve. And let me tell you, the book of Romans tells us just what that is. <laughs> Check it out, Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, not one, not two, not three, not, not seven, all, each and every one, including us, including you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Three chapters later, Romans 6.23 tells us then that the wages of sin is death. So A equals B, B equals C, C, A equals C. Okay, all are sinners, wage of sin is death. That means we all deserve death. And I don't mean physical death of the body. I mean death of the soul. I'll put this a little milder than I normally would have because there's children here. That means eternal separation from God. That means eternal damnation. That's what that means, what we get if God is fair and we get what we deserve. Yeah. So the question is, do you really want God to be fair? I know I don't. So that's what salvation is real, really all about. <laughs> that God isn't fair. God doesn't give us what we do deserve. God offers us mercy and grace. Yes, amen. The rest of Romans 6.23 tells us about that but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord it is a gift that's one side of the coin is mercy the other side is grace two sides of the same coin mercy that we don't get 
what we deserve. Let me give you a practical, everyday example of mercy that I received. Now, it's a few years ago, and I may have shared, I, I know I shared this before, so some of you might be familiar with this, but we lived in Seaford, and I, at the time, had a driving record that I would say was, uh, yeah, you get it. It was deplorable. I mean, I'd already had the, the, uh, the, the personal one-on-one -on -one with the guy at the DMV, the father, the father, the chat that basically says anything else, and you've been in big trouble, boy. You know? And, and so it's a Saturday. I'm doing some shopping. I come out to the car and I realize, oh my gosh, I'm five minutes late picking up Devin on the other side of town. So I hop in the car, roll out onto Route 20 as quick as I can. And of course, within a quarter of a mile, I get a uh, guy in back of me making a strange sound indicating I should pull over. <laughs> so I pull on this little side street and I'm going, oh my goodness, I. This is going to be bad because if, if I get another ticket, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it's going to be nuts. And so I thought, okay, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to sound like a complete idiot, but I don't care. So he comes up to the car door, the police officer, a local uh, Seaford guy, uh, asked me for my license and registration. And I knew he was going to run the record. I mean, my driving record, he got the computer. I, think the, I said, officer... You're gonna have, there's no reason why you should do what I'm going to tell you, because when you run my record, you're going to find it's horrible. I have a horrible driving record, but I'm just going to ask you if there's any way you could avoid giving me a ticket today, I'd appreciate it. I mean, I sound like a nutcase. <laughs> he goes back to his car, runs whatever he does, and he comes back to my car, hands me my license, <coughs> license and registration, he says, Slow it down. Have a nice day. Now, he's the nutcase. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I can't think of any more, a greater example, other than Jesus Christ, of course, of, of mercy. I mean, there's no reason in the world for him not to give me a ticket. That's the only thing I deserved that day. And yet he didn't give me what I deserved. Whew. Unbelievable. So mercy... Grace. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve. So this book, Married People, How Your Church Can Build Marriages That Last, has really rocked my world. And, you know, we have a whole new ministry now with a huge team that's built around it. Um, but one thing that I read is when marriage isn't working, it robs us of our best relationship with God. And another thing is there is perhaps no greater relationship that God uses to make us more like him than marriage. So the reason why I think about our marriage as a, an example of grace is because, you know, I'm kind of hard to live with sometimes. Oh, no. And, no way. But, but living out a covenant that day in and day out, you know, some days are great, some days are good, and some days aren't. And the, the grace that is constant and that is, you know, trying to put on the likeness of Jesus Christ, that is how I experience grace from, from Alan because I don't deserve how sometimes forgiving or good, you know, he is, but he's imitating Christ and I'm so grateful for that. So that's how I experience grace. Well, anyway... Mercy and grace. <laughs> That's what Jesus died on the cross to give us, isn't it? Mercy and grace. He, he mercifully gave his perfect life 
so that we wouldn't get what we deserve for our imperfect lives. He, he gracefully died and was separated from God, the Father, for three days so that we don't have to be, giving us that gift of being with God through eternity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That, that's a gift we surely don't deserve, but I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for it, aren't you? Yeah. So kids, draw a cross. Draw a cross. God's gift of mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. Offering the ultimate sacrifice, his life, trading his life for ours so that we could have life of peace and, and mercy and grace and, and purpose and meaning. And the thing about mercy and grace and that relationship with Jesus is it's a gift. And so like any gift, we can get a gift, but what do we have to do with the gift? We have to open it. Just having it in our hands unopened doesn't do anything. It's just there. So we have to open it. We have to recognize it. We have to receive the gift. And, and in a word, stop saying no. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Here's a gift of new life. Here's a gift of, of being saved. And I will be with you always to the very ends of the earth. Here's the gift. And it's like, no thanks. I mean, really? We have the opportunity to live life with the one who created us and desired us into a relationship and the one who showers unconditional love and forgiveness and just wants to hear from us. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Lord, I need you. Lord, you're my savior. And so we would encourage you today, all of us, not some of us, but all of us, to kind of lean into our desperate need for our Savior. And while Paul, if, you, if you'll come forward, plays this song, and we're invited to sing it with him, but really listen to the words, sing the words. Because what we receive is, is a new life, a changed life, and we receive forgiveness for the ways that we mess up, the ways that we hurt others, the ways that we hurt God, the ways that we hurt ourselves. And each day it's like the slate is wiped clean and we can start again. If you'd like prayer today about that, about anything, Mike and Maria are over in our prayer area. Can you wa wave your hand so you know? So take advantage of this. Don't leave. Don't leave with a burden. But instead, remember well, first of all, the moral of the story for today, it's better late than never, all right? And it's never too late for forgiveness. Never too late for forgiveness. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.